Greetings and welcome to Nodcast with Nod founding members Paddy Shine and Chris Haslam. Nod bless. Hello, Mike O'Neill, the, the mysterious, enigmatic Michael O'Neill. <laughs> I've to that introduction, <laughs> You set me up to fail there. <laughs> but I mean, you are a bit of an enigma, Mike, you know? Um, it's true, uh, you know, you are a bit of an enigma. I mean, I before we get in, before we get into that, I think for our listeners, uh, give us a little introduction of uh, of who you are and what what you're up to. I'll give I'll give you some key bullet points. I'll try and break it great. down. Great, uh, great. Just a North Manchester lad, really. That's all I am. Yeah. Yeah, who somehow, somehow sort of stumbled into a bit of music, which turned his head a little bit, um, but also sort of into other stuff as well. But really, I guess, got turned on to music, um, and that sort of changed my trajectory somewhat. Um, ended up sort of wanting, just wanting to do something outside of the norm of of... of of that environment that I grew up in, I guess. And then, um, yeah, just got into music, sort of love-hate relationship with it ever since. Absolute love-hate, though, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, here I am today yeah. at 40 bloody two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can drill down. <laughs> so, so tell us, what was your chip? What was the music? What what was your trajectory? And then what was the music that changed that traje- trajectory? Yeah, so initially, I was just all, I guess when I was a kid, um, it was just like late 80s and early 90s, pop music initially. Really, like, just chart stuff, just um, electronic pop. Um, most notably Jackson, probably. Um, remember buying Bad on Tape. Um, Me too. Yeah, and then and then then just after that, I get I guess I'm the youngest of se- of seven, so yeah. uh, four sisters, two brothers. So they were all into like just eighties pop. So the eighties pop was just around the house. So that's what I knew. Um, that and Foster and Alan. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now Foster and Alan are from these parts of Ireland, by the way. If they're, uh, I think yeah. I don't know if they're Westmead men or what. I think they might be Westmead men, but uh, yeah, yeah, Foster and Alan, who then became immortalised by Vic and Bob as um, uh, who was it? What were they called? Mulligan and O'Hare. Mulligan and O'Hare. Yeah. <laughs> which, 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 even though it was parody. Even though it was parody, it was very close to the fucking bone. Very close oh, to the bone. Aaron sweaters and acoustic guitars. <laughs> them ed, if them heads live near you, maybe we should get them on an podcast. Yeah, I, I don't know if the lads are still alive. They probably I'm are. Them down if they are. That's what <laughs> so then, what what happened then? Because obviously something happened that made you get into the more weirder heavier end of music what was it so i guess do you know what in my own head as i relay my own fucking narrative to myself as we all do that internal dialogue this is where i've 
been, where I've come from, where I'm going. I guess so. I was I was so into football um, as a kid, and really just so into playing it. Um, not really necessarily following it. I just love playing. I love competing and playing football. So I obviously, we, I got pretty good. I played for various sort of academies and I was at City for a bit. And then when City let me go, it sort of crushed me. I felt a bit judged by it all. And it was just around that sort of time when I was like, really affected me confidence and stuff like that. I got into sort of the, I guess, sort of more alternative sort of music, for want of a better phrase. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, that was around, and that was around the time that we got Sky TV. So my brother got Sky TV so we could watch the Tyson fights. <laughs> <laughs> but a, a, a byproduct of that is that we got MTV. Yeah, yeah. So 120 just, minutes. Yeah, exactly. I remember just seeing like loads of like stuff that I mean, initially it was probably like REM, Automatic for the People era, and then can you hear that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is Efa O'Neill flexing her lungs. That's my daughter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she might go back off. Yeah. Um, so. Yes, and so byproduct we got MTV, and it's probably like REM doing sort of automatic, and then just here in Nirvana probably. So that was the thing. Yeah, my brother-in-law Graham, uh, Chris has met Graham. Mm -hmm. He was pretty influential in like just like spinning me music. So I remember he he did me a cassette of like Nevermind, and on the flip side of it, it was it had. Um, Cypress Hill, Alice in Chains, just like the sort of more alternative stuff from that period. And then and then he lent me um, Unknown Pleasures on vinyl, which was something unlike anything that I was listening to that resonated me, with me in a probably in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. How old were you then, Mike? Oh, I would have been 13 going on 14. Yeah. yeah. Wow, so... So this the city thing. We was you were very young then when you had that sort of feeling of like, you know, being being let down or being judged, as you say. You know what I mean? Yeah, felt like a commodity, like just picked up and told that you weren't sort of good enough. And I guess I mean loads of lads go through it who play football, but you, you've got your school system tells you that, that you're not good enough, and then you've got like football academies telling you you're not good enough and then you've got sort of like mainstream society telling you you're not good enough mm. and it was all that and and then I guess those groups that sort of come along and, and are sort of saying you know sort of kind of like fuck you to that sort of judgment um, and it just really resonated with me I guess and feeling yeah. sort of like slightly on the outside of things yeah and did that did that create like an old head on your shoulders or did you always have a bit of an old head on your shoulders you know what i mean I, do you know what i it's funny you shouldn't ask me that paddy i never felt comfortable as an adolescent or a teenager or even in my 20s i never felt like um i always felt like it it was just silly this was it was silly what was going on was silly what what, what we were doing was still like sort of silly never felt like i don't know never yeah, 
made it difficult to relate to peers. Chris will tell you this, the years like like just sort <laughs> of like just really standoffish to everyone. Yeah. Um, when I first yeah. met you, and for for the first few years actually, when I got to know you and stuff, you were pretty cynical about pretty much everything. Yeah. It's very hard to find any interest other than like films and music. Yeah. Anything yeah. else was just like, nah, that's bollocks. Nah, that's bollocks. Like, cause we were all, I remember we were all, we were all playing fucking computer games, like, and you'd just be like, ah, oh, fucking hell, wasting your time, lads, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I I think I wasn't into the idea of fun. Yeah, I, I still don't know if I like the idea of fun. Yeah, <laughs> just like aban- abandoning uh, any kind of seriousness. He just wasn't having it at all. Yeah, go, I was. Yeah. Pretty just much go upstairs like and start strumming your guitar. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I asked that question as well because I mean I'm jumping forward a bit, here, but it doesn't really matter because we're chatting. But I asked that question because I remember the first time I heard um, Sonar Yen. I mean, I'd I'd seen his live before I'd heard a, a CD, um, but it was when I heard the CD that I was like, "Fucking hell, this lad! This lad sounds like he's about fucking forty years of age, and he's seen it all, and he's he's fucking had enough." of this shit already I, I felt like you were like talking about things in your lyrics that you know I I really didn't know anything about it was it was almost too deep for me you know what I mean it kind of went over my head in in many ways uh, I, when I was what I don't know what age I was probably mid 20s late 20s I don't know but it felt like you ha- I was like saying to myself this lad is he's He's either he's either a lot older than me, or he's just got a really old head on his shoulders. Because your con- your lyrical content and your delivery was very uh, unique, and you seemed wise beyond your years in regards to to, to your content. Um, and and from there, I guess like I'm interested to know what like when did you start picking up the guitar and start to 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 come up with the words then you know if you were 13 14 when you started getting into the weirder shit as soon as i sort of started to get into music my uncle tony barrett he had some guitars and he'd shown me some like chords um and i remember borrowing one of his acoustics and then i was like oh i really want a guitar um so and my dad ended up buying me a guitar um, begrudgingly, well, not begrudgingly, he bought me the guitar, but he was like, you know, you better kind of use it because they were expensive things, sort of, really, for for me dad to be buying on, you know, British Railways and, you know what I mean? He was like, you better not waste it. So ended up getting an electric. And see, my relationship with the guitar was a funny one. I didn't really want to didn't really want to learn it as in like I want to become like really proficient on the guitar I only wanted to utilize it get good enough so I could write a song and express myself that was the sole purpose of it I didn't really want to like become like I had no ambitions to become like a good guitar player just wanted to master enough of it so I could then experiment a bit and try doing 
sort of try writing my own thing and doing my own thing, which was what I really wanted to do. So straight away, just try to write songs. Yeah. 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 Were you, writing, any, were you writing anything before that, like poems or anything like that? Um, not, really. Or, no. not really. Not really. Not writing anything. I used to draw as a kid, but then knock that on the head. Um, uh, I guess... I guess I, I guess I was really into like the mystery of lyrics. So I loved, obviously, love Nirvana's lyrics, love Joy Division's lyrics. I just, I kind of liked the fact that I didn't, there was no obvious meaning or I could really project into it. I love that. I love the, the mystery of those lyrics and just sort of not quite knowing what it all was about. It felt, exotic and like what is what does that mean i want to know what it means <laughs> so that just got me thinking and got me writing and was like okay you can do this you can do this thing with words you can try and express something that you're feeling with language and that just set me off then i was just like okay i'll try and express some of these feelings i'm having with language but ultimately then found out that language is useless <laughs> <laughs> So when you first <laughs> when you first started playing music, Mike, I think your first yes. band was your first band Autonomy. First band was Autonomy, so that was Ryan Curtis. Yeah, shout out to Ryan Curtis. Um, he was on drums. I think I was like fifteen, and we had a practice space in the Belmont Hotel, the top of Crumpsall Lane, Chris. Yeah, yeah. No, like old Holtz pub. We had a rehearsal yeah. space there. And we had two other guys, um, Robin and I can't remember the other guy's name. And it was just like, it was just kind of, it was kind of chords played fast. Um, at this point, I was just writing songs and I was getting this other guy um, to, to sing them because I didn't, I liked the words, but I wasn't necessarily like, I didn't I want into the idea of like, being be having too much attention. I think it was a still lacked a bit of confidence at that point. So yeah. But autonomy, yeah. yeah. And then we had then we rehearsed in the famous North Side rehearsal space in Harper Hay. Yeah. We got that one. Yeah. Um we shared it with Northside for a bit. They moved out. We took it over and we were there for a good few years. That was that was where I first met you. Yeah. Yeah. I came down and you were I came down to watch a rehearsal because my brother was like, come down and watch. Like, I've got mates who are in a band. And I'm like, they're in a band and they've got a rehearsal space. I've got to see this. <laughs> so, because I, I, that's all I ever wanted to do. You know, I wanted to just meet another band that were doing it and hang around yeah. and maybe, you know, go and see them and stuff. And to me, that was like amazing that you were doing it. And I went to yeah. that rehearsal space to watch you rehearse and you were just like, no, nah, we've just rehearsed. We're not doing anything else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we were, we were young though. Like we were probably 16 at that point. Yeah. Yeah. 17. We were still in school, we, I think. Yeah. And we had like a, we rented a massive rehearsal room. We used to have sleepovers there at the weekend. We had instruments there. We played football in there. We had a pool table in there. And we were only like 60. We used to just like wag school and go there. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Perfect. Absolutely yeah. perfect. Great. Yeah. 
absolutely perfect. And so when room, though, Mathis room on it, it was it's like amazing. it was almost like one whole when did, level of Islington Mill, like that big, huge. Hmm. It was like it's like it was like the room in the Lovell um, Lovell Terrors Apart music video. Yeah, yeah. You go yeah. up the stairs and it's there and it's long and it looked like that old. Wow. Mill. Yeah. When was it? When did you step up to the mic then? Was that with the Sono Yen when you started to do that? Or no, there was another band, wasn't there? Confusion is yeah. next, was it? Confusion yeah. is next, named after the Sonic Youth tune. That's yeah. when I first went to see you playing in that band. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you were so, in that band when I went to the rehearsal room, actually, weren't you? You were yeah. still in that band. So, so I... where, where did you first see them play? Sorry. Uh, the Roadhouse. The Roadhouse in Manchester. Okay. And yeah, yeah well, I was totally blown away. I was just like, "Fucking hell, this is great!" Like these kids are doing what I, what I wanted to do, basically—just be in a band and write tunes and play gigs. And I was like, "Fucking hell, how, how are they doing this at this age?" I was amazed. And yeah, I think we, how old was Tim then? Tim must have been we, only thirteen, fourteen, or something. We played our first gig at Band on the Wall, so Band on the Wall was still open. So I think it was 97 we played there. So I was 16. Tim would have been 15. And um, Chris Ridings, who we had on bass initially, he would have been he would have been 14. Um, they wouldn't even let him near the bar when we played the gig. <laughs> it's fucking it's crazy. There's actually video. Somebody's got a VHS of that. One of my brothers or sisters have got a VHS of that show. But yeah. Um, oh, wow. So that was like 97. Um, and I so I got introduced to Tim, um, Tim Horrocks of loads of different bands fame. Um, brilliant. Drummer. Um, currently woad, currently woad, really. Currently woad, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sort of main thing. Um, yeah. I got introduced to Tim. So I went to school with two twins, went to primary school and secondary school with two twins called the Hounslows and they live next door to a drummer and I was like on the lookout in school for like drummer I need what need a drummer I need a good drummer to play with and they said they knew one so I got introduced to Tim and then once I got introduced to Tim we just sort of like clicked and we just like rehearsed started out every Saturday night in his attic and then it moved to like Saturday night and then one day in the week. And then like by the end, before it was like, before we had to get our own room, it was like three times a week and we were just like smashing rehearsals. Yeah. Always try, always like new tunes, always new tunes. Yeah. Uh, wow. Wow. So, I mean, cause you, when I, I don't know when I first, I can't remember what year I first saw Sonar Yen, but I think it was close to the end really when you were doing it. But I remember I asked you about when you started stepping up to the mic because I remember you had the most distinctive uh, vocal out of any of the bands I had been seeing, and you know nobody sounded like like your delivery. Nobody else sounded like it, you know. And yeah, uh, it was yeah, it was it was very unusual, especially at that time. You know, at that time, with band, what bands were doing, you stood out like a sore thumb because of the vocals, really. Yeah. Um, so when did you, like, find that? When did you get into that? Um, the vote, like, doing, like, getting into the vocal side. Yeah, of yeah. 
Well, I, I, I would, so there's always part of me that thinks, do you know what? You can use your voice in any way, shape or form. You can mimic, you can do, um, do you know what I wasn't into? I wasn't, I was never, ever into the notion of like trying to sing. I just was never into the notion it because Chris will probably tell you this. I had sort of a, like originality was a bit of a thing for me for a while. I was like, nah, it's got to be, it's got to find its own. It's got to be diff, It's got to be different. Even if it's, even if it's a bit shit, better it be a bit shit, <laughs> but it be sort of unique. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like authentic. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I clearly couldn't sort of like sing in that way. So I kind of was like, okay, I'm going to try and I'm going to try and use my voice in a way that is is that is a bit more comfortable for me to use it rather than trying to subscribe to a way of doing things that ultimately I'm going to feel once again like a failure at. So I was just like, I'll just do it this way, yeah. Wow. Um, but the words was kind of more more important, I guess. And I was just like, as long as the delivery's got intent. Even if it's a bit, even if it's got, um, even if it lacks melody, it's got American inflections, or if it's, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. As long as it's got intent, as long as it's coming from a good place, it's okay. So that's yeah. how I justified it to myself. But I was always yeah. insecure about using my vocals, especially in the song I am, because I just, ne- I, funnily enough, I always th- felt, and I guess I still do looking back to a certain degree, I always felt I let the whole thing down. Like so, I always felt I held it back. I let it down. Ultimately, in the end, I if it if it to me it kind of it failed because maybe I didn't have my shit sorted out at a vocal level, um, mm. and because I'd say that instrumentally we were probably pretty strong. We were like tight. Yeah. So it's funnily yeah. funny enough you should say, Paddy, that we stuck out for the reason of like the vocals made it stand out, but equally, I also think that that kind of, yeah, I was never comfortable with how, I never felt I got there with my voice in the end, never felt mm. I used it in, the, in a way that I was fully comfortable with, that was fully expressive of what I wanted to say. Well, it was mm. it was kind of strange for me because like, so I saw you with Confusion is Next, at that Roadhouse gig. And I remember, I remember saying to you afterwards, like, I, f- I felt a bit bad afterwards for saying this, but I remember distinctly saying to you, why are you singing in an American accent? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But when you, when you started Sony N, from the tunes when you came round to my house, didn't you? Remember that you came round to mine when I lived yeah. in Blakely? Yeah. Um, you were like, well, just have a jam and see what what turns out kind of thing because i wasn't sure if i could even do it at the time i wasn't even sure like you'd asked me to play bass for this new project and i was just like fuck i can't even get through one song like just copying things you know what i mean i, I knew you had the right attitude and the spirit i could smell it <laughs> <laughs> nice one did um did he did he smell Irish? Is that what it was? <laughs> he smelled so Irish. <laughs> some Irish in me somewhere. Definitely time. But yeah, um, when when you came round and you played those tracks, you would do. It was almost like spoken word. 
Yeah, it was. I made, and that was probably based, Chris, on on my own reflection about sort of how I was using my voice. So I was like, okay, I can't do that. Leave that alone. Like, you know, try and find a way of at least, even if it, even if it's like doesn't sound great, at least make it authentic to you. Yeah. So that was that was that point when I was like, okay. I'm going to try and do it. I'm going to try and balance that a bit more and just make it a little bit more just, I don't know, just like sound like the voice that comes out of me when I speak. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It sounded very just straight. Yeah. Really. There was no, uh, there was no attempt at all to make it sound kind of melodic even. It was just, no. it was all about just like a cold delivery. Yeah. I got, yeah. I cold, cold delivery. That's a great description of it. For when I, when I first witnessed it, that's what I, I was like, wow, man. Yeah. This, I was probably thinking, man, this guy's fucking cold. Like, what's this, what's going on there? Um, so how, how long did you boys play together in the Sonar EM for then? What, what was, I think I lasted about. Three or four years, you know. Ninety nine to two thousand and four or five. Was it that long? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because those initial tunes, like late ninety nine going into two thousand, two thousand, we did the demo one, and then two thousand and one, we did the um, Sony and Sony EP, which I still like really love i think that's my favorite song i am release I, I really like that i think that it evokes the time and a bit of, of what we were doing felt really collaborative just as a three-piece pretty like unique sounding and then i think it was 2004 when we did slow pick 2003 right. released in 2004 slow picture i think right. yeah okay now. Um, but like you've got you've also like i guess you've when i look back at it i think like so now I am like 99 I was only really I was 18 so I mean I didn't know I didn't really know how did I you know what I mean you don't know what you're doing at 18 you're still trying to find it what it is that you've that you're any good at or yeah a mode of expressing yourself so it's a lot of that sort of band was like trial and error as well it was like okay we'll try this now and maybe we'll after that first EP, we'll like we'll try some songs and you know something a bit more, I guess, arranged. Yeah, I mean, looking what, what back, looking back, it seemed like like you were low on confidence. I was pretty low on confidence and unsure about everything. I think there was only Tim that was like pretty confident in what he was doing because his drumming, even even then in those early days, his drumming was fucking ace, wasn't it? Yeah, it was exciting. Like he'd really, he'd really carry stuff along, you know. Yeah, his drumming was his drumming was brilliant, and I think. But do you know what, Chris? It's funny because it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? That sort of lack of confidence and that sort of fear. Yeah. In many ways, that's. It was a driver, wasn't it? Really, it's a driver. It's a driver because you were, we were, we were, like we were really unsure. We were just like we're gambling. And and that's really that's a good that's a good space, place to be, isn't it? When you when you're making music, like right on the edge, loads of fear of failure, 
but loads of fear of uh, loads of possibility for great reward. Yeah, it's a good space yeah. to operate in. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. Is the when everything's on the edge of falling apart, that's when the real sort of magic happens, especially live. If you're playing live to people and like that, that tension is just that's what creates the show, you know, that's what creates the vibe. Sure. Yeah, yeah, and we yeah. we were a live band pretty much from the off, weren't we? I, I, I remember. So, I I came out of Tim's attic, and we had a few rehearsals, and we recorded some of it. And um, you were like, "Yeah, we've got a gig in four weeks," and it was that Goldblade Festival gig, wasn't it? Was it Dogfest or something? Dogfest, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they spelled yeah. our name wrong on the poster. I was just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Was that the one? <laughs> was it at Planet K? Yeah. And Ma- Marky Smith Marky's, was at the bar, Marky wasn't it? Marky Smith was there. Yeah. <laughs> you bought him Mar- a drink. Yeah, he, he, bought, he got me a pint. He tried to give me some speed. So it, it <laughs> absolutely Classic. brilliant story. So around that time, and I figured this out, going back and looking at the fall timeline, timeline he was looking for members. He was right. looking for people to, to join. He was looking for a band for the fall, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember him coming up to me going, oh, it was all right, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like stood next to me and then just like took a, some speed speedball out of my pocket and t- tried to pop it in my hand. And I was like, I mean, at that point, I was like, only having, the, you know, to have a bit of weed or something. I was like, ah, no, no, no. <laughs> but yeah, um, what a yeah, suit jacket on. He was there, yeah. Funny. That's fucking gas, man. That that must be his thing because uh, he did that at Nod as well. When he came to see Nod, he fucking started dishing out the whiz little bombs out of his pocket. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant, cool. brilliant. Well, you you got the fucking you got the the seal of approval from the man. You know, if he comes up to you oh. and he goes, "That was all right," that then you you know what I mean. You, you definitely impressed him that night. Yeah, and, um, it was a sh- it was a shame really because at that point I think I'd only heard. Um, is it grotesque after a gram? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd only heard yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'd only really heard that fall record, and that was the only one I knew with any sort of familiarity to it. So I couldn't yeah. really. Probably that was probably a good thing. Yeah, definitely. He would have liked that. He would have been like, "Oh, what you what you you know, listen to the fall, right? You're in the band. Come on." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, fucking hell. So Planet K, man. Jesus. Planet K. Yeah. Wow, Godspeed wow. played. Didn't you see Godspeed there, Chris? Yeah, yeah. Did you yeah, did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I saw yeah. Godspeed there. Yeah. I mean, at, at that time in Manchester, so like 99, 2000, I was still pretty, pretty fresh off the boat from Ireland. And to be honest, I wasn't going to see many live gigs. I was mostly raving. I was mostly going out to clubs like Electric Chair and... Uh, one Tree Island and going to jungle nights and free parties. So what was the Manchester music start to be in a band? I mean, because I'm sure there was still all this kind of indie Britpop thing still happening. And then you had like, I remember there was Sona Yen. When I started to dip into that scene, there was Sona Yen. There was a band called Jackie O. There was um, The Virus House. Yeah. Um, I, I can't really remember now Suji much Gere. more, but... Yeah. Suji Gary, ocean yeah. size, and there was ocean this whole size. scene. Yeah, amplifier. There was, yeah, there was this whole scene. There was this whole scene that was obviously not influenced by any of the 
kind of really the Manchester era or the 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 Britpop yeah. indie era. So what was it like? Was was the Manchester scene was it a bit of a strange place? Was it like fucking, you know? Was there many gigs for you? Was there many people coming to the gigs or what? Um, you know, we. I mean, I. So it was a straight. It was a strange time. It was like coming out of that. I guess we around that time I was listening to a lot of like probably more experimental, and I say that loosely, sort of American guitar stuff and then like British post rock so like Mogwai, Hood Um, so our influences were probably well our influences were a bit all over the fucking show weren't they? There was a commonality with Joy Division though I remember Yeah there was Yeah Yeah. We all agreed (laughs) But but I guess the thing is in answer to your question Pat the, 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 the a lot of those bands that were around us they seem to to like you knew what their sound was, and I guess from my, from my perspective, I kind of knew what they were going for or what their influences were. We yeah. seemed like we just didn't know what we were, but mm. I guess that made it a bit of a strength in that we were kind of like four individuals or three individuals initially, but then four pulling in all different directions, and yeah. we were a bit we were less sort of cohesive. So. I think a lot of the other bands around us, they seem to have more of a, um, like you knew what you could, you could mark, you could, you could pigeonhole them slightly better than you could us. We were, I don't know, we were a bit more sort of. We were proper outsiders, weren't we really? Oh, we felt, yeah, we were, I felt like that, certainly. Well, we massively were, we, we didn't, we, I guess. We, there were, I guess there was a wave of stuff, I guess, like the sort of strokes and the, the white stripes and sort of a lot of American bands that, I guess, you, you'd, you'd throw Moco in there um, and, I guess, um, a lot of like Stooges influenced stuff, you know. There was a lot, there was quite a bit of that going on, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. And then it there was either, also, I remember it was either Stooges type, stuff or like post-rocky stuff yeah yeah or, or, or like post-rocky stuff but with like big with a slight more metal like amplifier ocean yeah. size well, cold play cold play were just coming out then as well weren't they I think. yeah yeah that, so an anthemic kind of that's yeah. all fucking cry on each yeah. shoulders yeah and and i guess um keen remember keen <laughs> I remember Keen. <laughs> Not as good as Roy, but you know. <laughs> yeah. So that there was a so lot. Is, yeah. There was a lot. Of, there was a lot of bands, and to be fair, we played with a lot of bands. But we, we always felt. I, I don't know. I always felt like I'm not quite sure that we fit in with all this, and and I just want. I was never on board with the idea with with it with like. I don't know. I just. I just felt fundamentally I had a diff, I guess, and it's probably fucking ego or pretentiousness that I had a different relationship with music than a lot of other people in other bands. I, I don't know. Yeah, um, well, that that kind of showed when, you know, we did the, uh, we kind of had a residency, didn't we, at the castle in Oldham? Me, yeah. Me and, well, it started Tim Tim's night and then I kind of joined in with him a little bit. The Siege. Uh, the Siege, yeah. It was great. It was really good. The castle. <laughs> I know. 
like monthly nights where we'd like put on like bring like mainly Manchester bands out to Oldham. Yeah. Uh, and then they were like really they were really good, good sort of bills, you know. Yeah. Well you weren't that you weren't that uh you was quite standoffish about those nights, weren't you? A bit like you were you weren't involved with the running of it or anything like that. Nah, I wasn't. I guess I never I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm you know, slightly I mean, more. Con- am I wrong yeah. in saying that? Or no, you're not. You wrong was a bit detached from it, weren't you? You didn't really yeah. want to get too involved in running it. I didn't, and I've always kind of been that way. And and I can see Paddy smiling at the minute. <laughs> I know he knows. It's, <laughs> it's something that I'm like. I I, I don't know. I'm ne- I'm always slightly. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I struggle to get involved at like that really sort of like sort of collective level and I don't know what it like I'm, I'm really enjoyed those nights and it was like good like being involved and sharing stages with bands and things like that I enjoyed it but I don't know I'm never fully comfortable in that collective environment I kind of I guess like doing my own thing yeah. staying in my own head with my own thing and I guess it showed when when I was like in a band and making music, I, I guess I didn't want to get too involved with <clears throat> the social with aspect. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I struggle with it a little bit. Um, I just, I don't know. I was never a massive, massive sort of drinker, and then I guess I struggled with the social end of it. Um, but yeah, to answer your point about that, it was a funny old time. It was a mishmash of groups, but we, we chairs missing was a night, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, that was like, yeah, yeah, and that was a night that was going on in Manchester, um, and then we had a short-lived night at the night and day dark dance where we put on a sort of a few bands and stuff. But yeah, I mean, we played with Suja Geary a lot. I, I kind of, I guess, if, if if any of those bands, I was, I, I kind of got on best with with them, I guess. Sort of form well, that, that was another release, actually. Poison Light yeah. EP, yeah. Split, so that was a split with them, wasn't it? Split EP <laughs> with Suzy Gira, kind of like yeah. what they were doing, more abrasive and yeah. sounding. Even the names suggest that you're a, a similar sounding or similar ilk of a band, you know what I mean? The two names go well together, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so. I I obviously came along then. I don't know when I met you. I mean, obviously I met Chris first, and I think it was well, I met Kim first, and it was through Kim that I met Chris, and then it was through Kim and Chris that I went to see my first Sonar Yen gig at the um, some random pub across the road from the fucking uh, sandbar behind the footage and Firkin. Was it called Scoo Bar or something like that? It was some Scoo Bar or Karumba. <clears throat> yeah yeah i think i think that was it was either my first or second gig i, I did see it at the roadhouse as well i can't remember which one came first yeah. but then i think that was when i probably met you all for the first time um and i remember at that time i was kind of like just going to see these bands and getting blown away and i was like fuck yeah and i remembered oh yeah like I remember my mission, my mission of leaving Ireland was to come and, and play music and be in a band, but I forgot that for a couple of years while I was just taking those V's <laughs> and fucking <laughs> gurning my fucking head off for fucking a few few years. It can happen. But it was, 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, 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 but it was those gigs where it reignited the flame, like, and um, and I think it was around that time when the Sonar Yen went quiet, wasn't it? Because that was the time where me and you, Chris, we started to get uh, got play together or start we started to hang out more anyway, and it yeah. led to the strange led to the Stranger <laughs> Sundays. But is that is Sonar Yen? Did the Sonar Yen finish then, or did you moved on? You you had Zach on the bass for a bit, or yeah, but it but it was we had Zach. So what? I mean, I'll tell my version of events of it. Is that all right, Chris? Okay, yeah, fine. So, I guess, I guess there was a general. My feeling was that Tim was unhappy behind a drum kit initially, and he has every right to be. He's like he was really good, sort of. Um, guitar player really good on sort of all instruments but there was it got it got to a point where I guess Tim seemed to be generally unhappy in the band and then just started maybe sort of suggesting that you know we started running into problems in rehearsals where um we were sort of maybe being critical of each other's parts um Tim is obviously more, more musically proficient than the rest of us but that doesn't necessarily equate to making good music so we were kind of there was a tussle going on within that I guess um and I guess I don't know that we sort of felt that um or Tim sort of felt I'll say that it would be we needed to get a new bass player because the parts that you were coming up with at that point weren't um, weren't what he, he he was kind of unhappy. He was just he was impatient, and ultimately, in hindsight, Chris, to be brutally honest, Tim just needed to go and do something else. Yeah, that's <clears throat> kind of what it boiled down to. But I mean, then sort of, so we and. And we ended up sort of asking, saying to you that it, it, we didn't feel it was working out. Um, I was never really comfortable or happy about that decision. And I remember just thinking, I don't know if this is the actual problem. I don't know, but like, I don't know if there is a problem. I don't know if we've now just down this rabbit hole. And that happened, and we got Zach in. But ultimately, I mean, it, we were it was finished. But it was finished at that point because. Um, Ultimately, on reflection, it was finished at that point because actually everyone in the band just wanted to do something else. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how I kind of felt about it. Um, everyone was just pulling in different directions. Um, yeah, I remember at that time, I, I, I could tell things weren't going well because there was a lot of tension in the rehearsals and stuff. And yeah. I think Tim was getting more into a lot of different stuff as well. And he wanted to just one minute he wanted to do something that sounded like Wilco. Next minute he wanted to do something like sounding like the Shins. Next minute he wanted to do something that sounded like you know he just kept chopping and changing everything up, and I didn't know where I was. Yeah, and I felt really unconfident anyway, you know, because I'm I'm a pretty simple bass player. I'm not, you know, I I tell you what though, listening back to the Sony N, there is quite a bit of running up and down the bass and. You know, three, four, five note kind of runs and stuff, and 
I was yeah, I, I was kind of stretched to my limits really. Um and knowing that I was I couldn't really take it where he was wanting to go and where you were kind of unsure as well what was going on. You just wanted to play and make write songs and come up with the next yeah. thing and I think I think as well we kind of hit a bit of a brick wall in that we'd re- we release our own album I think was what yeah. was the picture on was it on a label it was on a Soviet Union it was one yeah 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 and they were like a really small independent kind of tried to do it all really didn't they like producing um yeah. you know artwork releasing records label putting on gigs you know they were they were doing a lot of stuff and just trying to help grassroots bands really and they were they kind of liked us and we, but I, I felt with that with releasing that album and we did a bit of a tour and I think we did a few Scottish dates and stuff yeah we did and it, it was almost like we hit a brick wall with it all it kind of there was no future there was yeah. it didn't seem like the next step was apparent possible. You yeah, know, which yeah. for us, we would just wanted to maybe get signed to a label or at least like get enough recognition or offers for gigs that it'd take us to that next level. I don't know. We didn't really have anyone pushing. Well, we had Matt pushing us a little bit, but he was a bit unsure. He just had a media degree or something. And he was kind of trying to do it as a manager, kind of promoter kind of trying to do his best but it wasn't really enough for where we wanted to be for it to be like full time you know yeah and I think we all kind of turned in on each other at that point as well where we were hitting this brick wall in rehearsals it wasn't going that well I was just getting fucked up at every rehearsal because I was just so nervous about (laughs) a lot of red wine and things wrong or being asked to do something that was beyond me or you know, yeah. not that, not that, come up with something else, try something else. And it's like, fucking hell, like, yeah, it was, all, it was, all a, lot of, of, it was a lot of pressure, of the, you know, and that made me even worse at what I was yeah. doing because I just yeah. felt that spotlight was on me. And I, I felt, I felt the same way, Chris. Yeah. So like, it was a lot of the time, like I was, I'd have a song and then Tim would be sort of like really, whereas previously he would be really enthusiastic about it, was being like really lukewarm to it. Yeah. I naturally sort of internalised that and thought, okay, the my ideas aren't good enough, so I turned the gaze on myself. So then all of a sudden you've got all these dynamics going on where nothing, like everybody's sort of struggling. Yeah. And everybody's so, so then then you're out of that present moment, you're out of that flow, and it was just gone. It was just gone at that point. So that was, that was the end of that. And then I guess that led on to well, everyone in that band went on and did different things, which is kind of, I guess, you know, shaped where sort of, I guess, where you and Paddy have sort of taken on and, and just sort of like really learned lessons, I guess, from both your experiences of of bands and then just like really sort of got it right, as it were, in terms yeah. of just sort of like run and sustain something and, you know, just keep it, Keep yeah. it as a vehicle for creative. It was good. Two though. notes. Just keep keep it two notes. Same two notes. We just that's, we, that's, that's I mean, what I, we figured out. <laughs> I learned a lot. 
don't experiment beyond two notes. Yeah. <laughs> I learned a lot in that period, though, like, you know, how to set up a live show and all the all the ta- kind of technical stuff we all just – and we were rigid as well. We were like – we had a good kind of work ethic. We took it seriously. Oh, yeah. We didn't fuck around. We were always there for sound checks and, yeah. you know, well, we did. everything was we did. everything was very professional, you know. We were militant about it. We took yeah. it seriously, which was which was credit to us because, like you know, we were we t- we we enjoyed what we did and we took it seriously for that period that we did it. But yeah, but in the end, it just like it had that cohesion that we found and ran with. It yeah. just dissipated, and and that's you know, it's because um, it's never you know what it's never about a note on a guitar is it it's not about a note on a guitar it's never about that it's all about intention yeah exactly it's about application and and sort of like spirit and intent and meaning and and just like conviction it's not about bloody notes notes are the last thing that you should be bloody worrying about And so, yeah, I mean, the legacy uh, that Sonny Yen left behind after that then was it, uh, quite a big um, impact on the on that on that little scene that's that sprung up after it. I think the Yen and the Yen are always going to be known, uh, you know, is the kind of like there's a bit of a legend, isn't there, about Sonny Yen around certain people in Manchester. A lot of people would say that they saw the Yen and that was a, something that made them want to be in a band or. Like you know, kind of opened their eyes to some different music. So, you know that it was a it it ended when it was supposed to end, I guess. You know, because good, good things came after it. So, what happened? What was after that for you then, Mike? Did you did you like fucking dip out of the scene for a bit or what? Or... Absolutely, like disillusioned. Yeah. I remember my head was like pretty. I just withdrew a little bit. Just kind of withdrew. I had a council flat in North Manchester and just kind of withdrew really into it and just um I like I'd still go to a few shows I remember I, I had um I tried to get something on the go uh, and I did I suppose with 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 um hollering which yeah. was a brief sort of short-lived sort of thing that came after wrote a bunch of songs but I guess I was still that I was so I guess I was just disillusioned with music at that point I was kind of like I don't know if I like the social and cultural sort of dimensions of it I love creating it love playing love the listening to it having that sort of feeling that like spark that I get from it but I don't know if I want to be in, in and around it so I guess it's like it just all I sort of um I guess it led me to sort of just like reflect a bit and sort of reevaluate what it is about music that I actually even liked in the first place at that point. Because I, I guess I just thought, hollering. I mean, I wrote like a bunch of sort of songs that were a bit different. They were kind of slower, more drawn out, maybe a bit darker. And then those sort of seemed to fit the mood at the time, but then equally I shifted out of that so quickly that I couldn't I couldn't identify with those songs very quickly. Yeah. I kind of was a bit alienated by that. I was like, I don't know if that's kind of what, I don't know if I'm comfortable expressing that. I don't know if that's me. So I pickled myself essentially. <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> if you're asking I'm thinking what too much. Thinking I too think, much. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking too much, which has been and that, pretty much all my life. But. but but then there was a fairly memorable moment. I remember it was when Nod were practicing at Wellington House and then you had a room in the Dom's Mill across. What was the name of that fucking project? What Them was Rock. that? Them Rock. Yeah. Yeah, that was the kind of the beginnings of you leaning into a bit of the, the hip-hop yeah. style, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Which obviously has, has become a thing that's a thing that you're fucking <laughs> totally natural at. And I remember, yeah. because we, there was a lot of us in Them Rock. There was me, Chris, Marlene. That's um, where we met Marlene, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's it was, yeah. Marlene. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. Marlene was on the bass. Uh, what well, was Rich Cowser on the drums? Rich was also in, in Holland, Del, wasn't Del he? Was on, Del played drums. Rich Cowser oh, okay. played. Did Rich Cowser play keyboards? He was he, playing keyboards. And I think that Zoom drum machine that you had, Paddy, yeah. I think he was messing around with that as well. He was playing keyboards. And then somehow I ended up on the keyboards. I think because he wasn't available at some gigs or something or some rehearsals yeah. he wasn't available. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that was you know, a, that was a great project. What was that tune? There was one tune in particular that was. I know with the one that you like, Crash Victims. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Still got recording of that. It's um, a fucking tune, man. I'd love to yeah. hear that. It's been a long so, time since I heard that. So that when I when I when I'd written those songs, remember the original cassette I had, and I shared it all with you, and I was like, so I've yeah. done this, and I did them all with like a like a Casio drum machine on a keyboard. So everything was really, really primitive, but it had a lovely charm to it. But it, I guess when I did that, I was like, this feels more like where I should be operating in. I, I, I sort of like me, vo- I, I felt like I could use my voice in a way that had a bit more expression to it. So I, I could, I was using rhythm a, a lot more. And that, that yeah. was where it, I was like, actually like this this feels more natural to me I'm, I'm at peace with this more than the sort of hollering stuff which I was a bit alienated from sort of guitar stuff but I guess and that sort of that stuff it allowed me to sort of explore a side of myself that I had as a kid so I really loved like mid-90s hip-hop as mm. I'm sure the three of us all like you couldn't yeah. get away from <laughs> Dre, Snoop, yeah, Big, the Wu Tang, yeah, 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 all of that's that, that sort of mainstream crossover hip hop. I, I kind of loved it as a kid, but I parked my love for it on a sort of guitar journey. And mm-hmm. it was only later on, really, that I, I was like, actually, like, you know, this is it was just what I needed at the time to sort of um, find that sort of music again and start dabbling in other stuff. Yeah, and Them Rock came about, and there was a few Them Rock shows, wasn't there? There was never, I don't think, ever a release anything awesome. like, because it wasn't at the time either. I think it was probably just around the MySpace times when all that mm-hmm. was happening, and um, so the, it, releasing things. No, none of us had a cassette label or anything by then. It would no. be releasing each other's stuff, and then it moved on. I mean. My memory's a bit hazy. I mean, I got swallowed into like a nod hole by then. But I remember then the next. When did I play with you, Big Hands? When did when did I join you for that show? What day? So that was, was around two, two thousand and seven. Yeah, yeah, so it, was, was, it was. It was, it was our second the, ever. 
Yeah, I think it was the second show, wasn't it? Or the third show, maybe. It was the second show. Yeah. And and at that gig, we rec- we recorded one of I think the greatest nod live tunes, which is um fucking oh god, um bulletproof awareness. We uh, we we call that. I think I don't know if that was the the name of the piece that you. you it was a line in there, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and even to this day, there's Nod fans out there that say like that is the 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 thing they love the most, the their favorite Nod thing. It's yeah. fucking epic, and the fucking lyrics and the delivery. And like yeah. when you're you're really leaning into your like natural accent, you know, reality yeah. and fucking yeah. like yeah. really bringing it. And that I think was like uh I don't know, a huge moment for me. And I remember playing the gig and hearing what was going on and being like, wow, this is fucking this is good because it was like weird psychedelic improv tribal music with this like hip-hop delivery with these lyrics that are like total philosophical fucking buddhist fucking just like amazing lyrics yeah and then i'm gonna jump that was our first go on no i'm gonna jump in there jump in jump in so that was around the time as well where i sort of hearing nod around that time it also made me reflect on stuff that I'd been doing sort of guitar wise and I was like do you know what this is like this feels way more natural I remember doing that gig and thinking this isn't this is just this is natural this isn't and all of my experiences like previously with guitars was like really forcing it and everything I've been to be so sort of rehearsed and and then I remember seeing nod a few times but also like playing with you and then just thinking like this is this is like tapping into force of nature stuff where you're just like riding, riding something. And and that's like, it, it felt way more natural. And it also felt to me anyway, way more sort of sophisticated and authentic. And it kind of, it made me sort of, it definitely made me rethink what I'd been doing or sort of, you know, sort of, question what I'd been doing up to that point and I remember doing the vocals that night and thinking that's you should be using your voice like that that's how you should be doing it yeah. you know and that was like further proof to me that you know I should be exploring that kind of sort of more natural deliverer um as a way of sort of communicating so yeah like equally I remember just you know yeah. being at that show and just thinking this is like this is like it's it's fun but it's like wild as well yeah in a way yeah. that i hadn't experienced music before because i we were all about like rehearsing to death and getting everything like yeah. to the point where nothing could potentially go wrong whereas yeah. this way more sort of like just yeah like, morphing and swelling and moving and like uncontrollable yeah. and dangerous and yeah. that was intoxicating for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a kind of a perfect moment, really, of like that kind of like w- music that was just got no direction and just hanging by a thread with those, with that lyrical content, those that delivery and that specific lyrical content is like a perfect, like mixture. It's really. Uh, 
so glad that we captured that on recording, you know, and like I still it's still I don't really listen to nod music, but I will listen to that. And uh it's yeah, like ah, uh, you know, like things when I think about it, it's like you were you're writing the perfect thing for even what I feel about nod and music and life now, even stuff I read in Buddhist yeah. literature, you know delivered in a manchester way fuck the past and fuck the future we deal in only yeah. moments now you know it's like fucking zen man it's proper <laughs> zen shit i do um, actually and uh, so i do remember reading quite a lot of like philosophy around that period and that just bleeding into sort of like lyrical content but also trying to funnel yeah. it through my own experience rather than just sort of like regurgitate sort of philosophical meanderings yeah yeah no it was it's great it was a great moment man and and i mean uh, so my memory is hazy from then i i'm i i might i'm jumping a bit because i want to keep it keep it rolling but the next thing i remember then is you handing me a cassette or handing me something to listen to I, i'd started tesla tapes and uh, I can't remember if I was saying to you, what have you got? Have you got anything cooking at the moment? You know, I mean, I'd like to put a tape out. And you handed me, um, well, what's, I can't remember the, the name of the cassette now. What was the, what did you call it? It's just self-titled, wasn't it? It's it is, isn't it? Like just a picture real. of your, picture of your passport. Yeah, it. absolutely. That's the artwork. <laughs> Not like some sort of fucking madman on it, yeah. But the the fucking tunes on there, man. The tunes are, and that again is one of the most popular Tesla tapes as well. And and at that at that time, I I was playing it to people, and they were like, just like, what the fuck is this? What the fucking hell is this? Really amazing, like, like character fucking like like hip hop tunes, really like getting into a character or telling a story about a character and laying it out in this like street fucking street slap and like with your undeniably Michael Neal, North Manchester, Michael Neal. And it, for me, it was one of the most exciting cassettes for me to put out. And I, at the time I was still really like kind of naive and I thought this is like, this is the biggest fucking thing. Um, and like yeah, so that was amazing. And like, what took you there? That was like after them rock. So you were still probably in that feeling that hip hop. Obviously, feeling that it wasn't. Yeah. It was. It was. wasn't really like hit. It was like a mixture of like hip hop and beats, but with like kind of like guitar band like structure in a yes. way, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Kind of s songs with hooks, but done electronically with beats. And do you know? I think with that, I'd moved back to North Manchester at that point. I had a council flat just on the edge of Heaton Park and Blakeley. And I'd sort of I'd mastered kind of like using sort of reason or whatever to a certain degree as much as you can. And then mm -hmm. I think I just started writing again. And I, and I was like, I think I was just like, it was definitely influenced by me sort of moving back to North Manchester and maybe just sort of seeing seen a few heads who I went to school with and just being around that environment in Cheetah Mill and sort of higher crumps or where it's a bit, I mean, if anybody's 
knows that area is pretty it's pretty real for, for all intents and purposes for sure um, yeah. but just being back there it just made me it just made me really identify with that area again where i grew up and i was like yeah that's like kind of let's bring a bit of that in lyrically and just mm-hmm. sort of like so that was a real that was a challenge for me to do kind of bring a bit of that in to the mm-hmm. songs and then i obviously i played it to you Chris, I remember playing yeah. some of it in that flat, and then um, and you I, were just like, got, I just got the MPC, Anna. Yeah, yeah. So we started putting, like, redoing some beats on it and things like that, and um, yeah. So that was that was that, but that yeah, that was, and I was I was absolutely buzzing that you put it out, Paddy. At the time, I was just like. Fucking hell, I, I didn't, my intention was nothing other than just to create it, probably sit on my fucking computer, didn't, no idea of how I might play it live, didn't know if it was going to be, so to give it a release, gave it a bit of life, which was absolutely great for it. Yeah, We did some gigs with it as well, didn't we? Yeah. yeah it was great. Do, you, do you remember the sounds from the other city gig? Yeah. Fucking sweet. It was so good, man. Yeah. It was so good. I mean, for me, there's every tune on that is a banger, but I remember when you first played me the first the tune that opens it up, which is like they might kick in your front door. Yeah. Well, I, I first heard that, I was just like, fucking hell. Like it but it was like a a surge of energy, like an absolute like surge of like let's a kind of wanting to destroy everything and and also just like I don't know, just get fucked up. You know what I mean? It yeah, was, yeah. it was, it's, it's so good, man. So good. And then, um, I mean, at that time, I mean, when we're where, what are we on? Well, we've got five minutes, right? So, um, at that time, what were you doing? Were you studying or work or were you studying? Were you, were you in university at that time doing social? What was it you were studying? Because it felt like whatever you were so- working at, or studying was bleeding into what you were writing about a bit. I seem to remember us having conversations yeah, about yeah, yeah, Def, definitely, definitely. So, I definitely, I did a, I did an access course which involved like um, sociology and psychology, and then I did around that time because I never went to university. I didn't, and then, and I really like because. I, I, it just wasn't the trajectory I was on but I remember doing an access course because the doll were paying for it I was unemployed at the time and then I was like I did 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 well at it so I was like yeah I may as well go and get a load of debt I may as well just go and like you know essentially just sort of like buy myself some time for three years to make some music and just like study some interesting topics so I did like um, social science mainly like anthropology sociology philosophy and that was a lot of that sort of bled into lyrics and things that I was doing around that time, which was real good for that. Yeah, it was good for that. Um, but I mean, that was a time when I was living at the mill as well. So like yeah. maybe 2013 or 14 to yeah. 16 or 17 or something. Yeah. 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 I remember because then we did that great uh, cassette together uh, called Barton Moss. Do you remember where the Barton Moss thing was going down? It's mint. Yeah. It's mint. Yeah. It's well it's, good. It's really, really good, man. Yeah. I was I was actually going through um the Zoom recordings the other day. I was going through all my SD cards and I came across a few bits that we never used. 
Uh, right. A few little random bits and like, yeah, it's fucking mint, man. And I remember because it was just like one day, I think one or two day session in my in the my little in my flat and at the mill. That's right. And we nailed it. And again, I remember being super excited about it, and we we did it right. Like we fucking gave all the proceeds to the 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 guys who were doing the the front line down at Barton Moss, which I think was about fracking, wasn't it? It was an anti-frack down and sort of fucking um, banging heads and that, and we just kind of did something against that, didn't we? Yeah, uh, that was another nice, very nice release. Yeah. But I buzzed off that because I, I had no involvement um, in doing the, the music of that one. I just came in and did vocals. Yeah. I see. I like yeah. that process because yeah. it, because because then it's exciting to me because it's, it's sort of I haven't laboured the music to death by writing it and sort of you had sort of all the music yeah. and that was great. Just come in and just put vocals on it. Um, and I've done that a few times with like other collaborations. Um, which has been really fruitful, such yeah. as such uh, as Zimzum. Um, ah, yeah. Okay, um, I remember. Yeah, the Zimzum tape. The f- yeah, that's the one the that one. came yeah, out on yeah, Zamzam. Yeah. So Is it that one did yeah, really yeah. buzz off that tune. Um, and then I did one recently with Parallel Action, um, um, sort of London musician. Um, this came out about 18 months ago, maybe two years ago, um, on a label called, I think it's Cinema 100, Uh, but it was a sort of beats, electronic music, um, and then, yeah, he just sent me, sent me a track and I put vocals on it, sent it back and bang, put it out and it was on his, his album. Yeah. Right. Uh, I don't know if I've heard that. I, 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 I don't know if I've heard it. Maybe I did. I fucking. But what we'll do is we'll get that and we'll, we'll share it when we share the podcast as well. Like we'll we'll, cool. we'll have we'll have links to sort of all the music we're talking about on when we go live with the podcast. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I guess. And what was was there? What was so, on, on, so I've done like collaborations with other people, but then I guess we're sort of jumping ahead at that point because. Um, in between sort of that I sort of made an album as well for Bristol label um Foot Punk um in 2019 that came out but that was a long time in, in the cooking um but yeah 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 and you, you worked with Sam Weaver mainly was it on that album yeah yeah production wise I'd sort of demoed pretty much all of the tracks in some form or another and then i sort of brought the demos into sam and then we sort of rebuilt the tracks up using his um studio prowess um long task at times but um like good detail to everything that we did and i was living at islington mill at the time so he lived at one end of uh, the third floor. I lived at the other, so it was it was good in that regard. Um, but we were maybe we maybe took it too. Uh, we were too like too easy to just like go for this and that, or go for a mooch, or you know, <laughs> yeah. sit around and chat, and, and you know, yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. we Sam loves Sam. It doesn't take much to get Sam to go for this and that. 
but I mean, so I mean, we'll get to the album because that album, the time that you guys spent on it, it sounds incredible, and it's it's it was fucking amazing, and it, it's a shame that it came out in two thousand and nineteen, and then you had all the <laughs> pandemic because who knows, maybe you could have like gigged it or. Uh, capitalized on it and done another thing and when i say capitalize i don't mean like fucking make a load of money or try it, whatever but maybe the flow of like doing something else could have yeah. could have kept going yeah. but at that time you were living at the mill and you said before you were never really comfortable working in a sort of a collective dynamic and then here you are smack bang in the middle of of one of the <laughs> at the time probably one of the craziest collective dynamics in Manchester at the time for for that sort of brief period of time it was full on how did yeah. you find how did you find living in that situation I I so I was just living in in a in a sort of council flat in North Manchester sort of after that sort of tape got put out and so I was obviously going to the mill a bit more obviously Chris was I'd been going to the mill for quite a long time I lived there briefly with with yourself Chris yeah and then I'd been, I remember going when they had, um, didn't have a proper license. So they only had a, like six events a year or something in a table at the back with booze on. I remember going to nights there. Um, and then obviously, I, mean, I think it was you, Chris, who said, you know, get a room, get a room here at the mill. And and I was like, all oh, right, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe I should, maybe that would be good for me. And I remember speaking to my sister Bridget at the time and she was like, just do it, you you isolate yourself too much. You you spend too much, you know, because I, I my default is to just like spend time alone. That's kind of, that's my default. So I, I sort of thought, ah, oh, right. Yeah. Just, just go and do it. Throw yourself into it. So I moved in there and yeah, it's just, uh, it's crackers. It's crackers. <laughs> it's a crackers like four years or whatever. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. We did yeah. four years. Fucking hell man. Three or four years anyway. Yeah. 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 But it was it was full on. I remember some fairly late night shenanigans in your little studio. Yeah, uh, yeah. with <laughs> a full crew of uh, fairly, uh, you know, psychedelic warriors, sort of. Uh, yeah, 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 definitely. There was um, seeing seeing this, watching the sun. Oh, there was lots of yeah. There was lots of uh, twenty four hour sort of. Um, 24 hour hangouts um, yeah but um, it was it was it was good I, you know it was, it was mad it was mad mad but at the same time it was it was good um, I guess I, I always I still always sort of felt a little bit like an outsider there um, but I, I guess maybe maybe everybody did I don't know um mm. Mm. I, that's always you know you don't know what's going through the minds of every everyone else but yeah you know i made some friends there and and you know did you know did some shows and obviously worked on my record there so they were good 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 times yeah productive a productive yeah. time would you say yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, finished, I did my degree can you imagine i can finish my degree while living in that room <laughs> Like try try to study on. Did that? Yeah, try to study on a, a, like a, a Tuesday morning, and you've got like fifteen people singing along to Alanis Morissette about three rooms down. <laughs> <just off the laughs> nut. 
<laughs> oh my god yeah i mean i, I, I yeah, say it's interesting you, it's interesting you say that because i do think that maybe everybody felt a bit like, like an outsider and from talking to bill bill who kind of made the mill happen yeah. the reason he, he kind of made that happen is because he felt like a bit of an outsider and he wanted to have a place where all the outsiders could come and be together really yeah and and like that that's yeah, that's exactly what it what happened, and it probably it still is like that. You know, it mm. still is. I mean, it's morphed and changed now, and it's getting closer to maybe Bill's original idea of this queer utopia kind of thing. Yeah, but it's. I think it always was a place for outsiders. When you think about some of the random characters were, were kicking around there when we were living there, like fucking hell. Yeah, yeah, we were all all on the outside looking in. Um, if, that's what I mean. Everybody's like a different type of outsider, equally sort yeah. of, you know, sort of feeling slightly detached, maybe. But that's that's okay. Interesting experiment in in living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and that's what it always is, isn't it, Demel? It's 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 just an interesting experiment, um, you know. And and it's at a phase now where it's yeah. I mean, I've I haven't been there for a, few, a couple of months, but when I I I've always had my toe dipped in there. Like when I was over in England in the summer, I was working for the mill and helping them to to get it ready for the next phase. Yeah, and. You know, it was interesting to be there and be with all the people that were there. And, you know, they'd be, I'd go up to the fourth floor ever and I used to be like, oh, yeah, I used to live here. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, great. And then they'd just be like <laughs> carrying on doing what they're doing. And I'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I won't tell you any stories or anything about what it was like. Yeah. Nah, yeah. You don't give it, you give a shit, do you? <laughs> and and that, to me, that's cool because it's like, Great, it's just moving yeah. on. It's moving on. You can't really think you were just there and it was it was happened and now it's happening for somebody else, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You know I mean it's 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 not like not like something like, you know, fucking I don't know not to compare it to but like, you know, in the magic end there where everybody's just got all these stories about oh yeah i was at the hacienda and you know and they've got a brick or whatever of the hacienda I don't, you'll never have that with somewhere like the mill because it's just constantly just churning and churning and churning yeah. you know transient like camille groups of people <laughs> just moving through it yeah yeah tra- that's yeah. it yeah yeah the mill stop i mean and then like you the record that you did in 2019 what when did it come out did it come out january came out that year. The, the, yeah but it was. But did it did it come out before the pandemic or during it or what? So it came out in the April, late April, twenty nineteen. So like within twelve months, you were into like pandemic material. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the reaction to that record was fucking good, though, wasn't it? It was really big, man. Yeah. And yeah. I remember at the time being like, "Fucking Mike O'Neill needs to be fucking doing some gigs now." I was like, "Come on, man, come on." Because uh, it was it was so fucking good, and there was nothing else like it in the hip hop scene in in UK hip hop or any fucking hip hop. There was nothing yeah. else like it, you know. And really and, funny and as well. 
Yeah, it is. It's got, it's got, it's got, it's, it's quite, I, I'm dead proud of that record. I think like those songs and sort of production, it stands up. Um, it's quite a well-rounded piece and it sort of moves, it d- deals with a lot of different things in a, in in a certain way maybe it's maybe it's too considered to a certain degree but equally that's just being critical it was a good snapshot of where I was at at the time in terms of what what I was what I was thinking and doing but it's a funny I guess it came out at a funny time because since then I've noticed quite a lot of stuff that treads sort of a little bit of a similar ground sort of pop up and be thinking oh kind of that's that's quite like what what I was doing, you know, maybe a few years back. Um, yeah. Meryl Streep, think, Bob Villain. Um, yeah. 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 Stuff I like think that. that's your thing, Mike. I think that's your thing, man. I think you've always been just a bit too ahead of your time, man. <laughs> <laughs> you piss taker. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I've been serious, man. I've been serious. I think, like, when I think, uh, think about myself, uh, I, I'm not going to bang on about myself. A little bit late. I'm always just a little bit fucking late. I, I don't know why I feel like that. Um, I don't know why. I, I think it's like partly it started when I was um, when I first moved to Manchester and I started to. Uh, uh, the reason I came was for like all the music scene and everything I'd read in Melody Maker and NME about the music scene and about this place called Hume and these fucking parties that were happening there. And I was like, I have to get there. And I arrived just as gasp of that, you know. Yeah. And I've just always felt I was a little bit, be- a little bit behind, you yeah. know, ever ever since. But it's the opposite for you, man. You're just too ahead of your fucking time, man. Yeah. You know. And and you don't give a fuck as well. I admire that about you. The fact that you can just like be like, ah, oh, fuck it. Like, you're you're not chasing. You're you know. You, yeah. I can, you're, you know- you're ambitious about and you about what you're doing. As long as you like it, as long as you're into it, that's what fucking matters. You don't really care what anybody else thinks, really, do you? Or do you? No, and but that was hard won, I guess, over time. Like there was a time when I was like younger that I did give a fuck, maybe what sort of other people thought. But then I guess periods of evaluation about why you like doing something just made me think, okay, like, like. Just your own audience. That's what suits you. Just work with that sort of like. If you like, if you love the process, do the do the thing that you do. Enjoy that. If something comes of it, i.e., it gets put out or something happens, then that's great. But if not, you still enjoyed the process and the point of doing it. And yeah, like. I don't think, at a philosophical level, I don't think nobody's got a fucking clue what's going on. You harpooned it mm-hmm. with your consciousness and nobody's got a fucking clue. Like, but everybody's carrying on like they fucking know what's going on and they've got opinions about this, that, the other. The, and really, if we break it down, nobody's got a fucking scuba about yeah. anything at all, ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. So I always just kind of remember that and just think, well, just like, do, try and do what makes sense to you because nobody's anybody who's saying that they've got some handle on reality or what's going on is just fucking lying to themselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I I agree with you there, man. I agree with you there for sure. You know, the only thing people know for certain is that it's going to come to an end. You know, what I mean, that's that's the only thing. 
yeah, yeah. We carry, we're carrying on like. And, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> we can't we we're carry on, on like, like everything like everything matters yeah. yeah 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 exactly and then and then you just you realize that you're you're carrying on and you're sort of clinging to this and that all you're doing is causing your own suffering you're just creating your own suffering throughout the whole thing so then it's just like just you know just just let let go it's all right it it's 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 fine you know Low, yeah, don't, have any, don't have any expectations therefore that that doesn't mean don't have any ambitions just don't have any expectations and then you know you're all right nice yeah 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 if, we, if you got expectations which are how to disappointment really but well i don't know it, it i don't know i mean let's get on to your next big release then after your album which was um which probably was your biggest release of your little sprog yeah Eva. Eva. Eva o'neill absolutely yeah. I, I can't claim sole responsibility for it's a collaboration. collaboration. It's, it's a, a collaboration, collaboration. <laughs> with Catherine. So, like, you know, it's um yeah, yeah it's a really fruitful collaboration. Probably the best product that I've produced thus far. Nice, <laughs> nice. And and how has that shifted your perspective, Mike? Um it's it's further filtered out all of that excess background noise that is ultimately just ultimately just irrelevant to the journey of passing through it mm. because i guess it, it it allows you to um it, it allows you to just simplify everything which ultimately it's only when you start to complicate things mm-hmm. as you go through life that you start to encounter sort of discomfort and problems and things like that but then like I don't know sort of like caring for a kid who you know a child caring for Aoife who can't care for herself is it's it's really rewarding it's like it's like it's sort of it's it's kind of a purpose but um one that allows you to develop and grow in in sort of mm-hmm. like not um and, and it also allows you to look at things through and it's a cliche but look at things through her eyes and, and see that actually like just enjoy your own like fucking sensory experience that you have in here instead of any of this other fucking noise that's going on in the background that we call culture that ultimately is just a fucking massive distraction and can cause you to sort of like uh, take take missteps left and right, and that's it's it's kind of grounding and really it's, it's great, yeah. So that's yeah. it's changed my perspective that way, and it's also mm. made me precious of time as well. Time's a real um, time becomes something that you like. Okay, like this this experience gives greater reverence to time and the experience that you're having, which is great. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and even now she's already reflecting parts of myself back at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you see a lot of you, a lot of yourself in, in her? Is there, is there some moments where you're like, holy shit, yeah, yeah. That, that's me in there. So she's six months old now. And yeah. and like Catherine will say, like, who does that remind you of? 
i.e. meaning me. She's not yeah. one for Tom, she's not one for tomfoolery. She don't, <laughs> she's not one for like giddiness or like sort of laughter or she's pretty like pretty serious. <laughs> you know, all of this could change, but you know, and then but like she's kind of got that sort of O'Neill downturned mouth, sort of like semi. She, do you know what she is? She's underwhelmed by what she's been brought into. <laughs> well, she's underwhelmed. <laughs> what a lot of the is like, what? Why is this it? Is this it's all that's happening here? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> she's got her dad's. She's got her dad's old head on her shoulders, and it? it's. You know what I mean, nice. Oh, man, well, I'm. I'm really. I'm really happy for you, man. I'm really happy. Yeah. For your dad, your dad, you know. And and now you're living up in now you've ended up where every other fucker in Islington Mill has ended up in in the Calder Valley as well. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah. I'm in the Calder so, Valley. Yeah, you must you must have liked you must have liked that collective living in some way. Do you know what I mean? Because you're back, you're up there with all the rest of the crew. Do you know what? Is, you bumped into nice. many of them up there. So bumped into Rick Nichols last week. Um, I was I've seen Rick a few times. Rick's been round with his uh, son Sol, his partner Lilla. Um, seen John Paul Jones. Um, saw Jamie in the park the other day that I was running. Saw Alex in fucking Morrison's the other day. So yeah, you booked you booked it all. <laughs> seen seen Chris a few times, obviously. Yeah, um, Chris has been round so. Bumped into you, like the sort of morning after Aoife was born. Yeah, yeah, yeah fucking hell, I remember that. I also saw you, I didn't say anything, but I was uh, lying down in the park, just having a lot of meditation. It was a, a lovely warm day. And I think and I was just laid, laid down in the middle of the park and I sat up and I just saw you like proper, had a mooch on, backpack on. And I, I just saw you from behind. I said, oh, that's definitely Mike O'Neill. I recognise that walk from anywhere <laughs> and you were like fucking mooching the baby up and I was going to call out and then I was like you know you know what I'm just going to enjoy this moment of watching my mate Mike being a dad taking his his kid out on a walk and if he passes around and he comes back this way I'll fuck give him a shout out or whatever so yeah. I just like lay there and just like watched you get off and I was like look at that that's fucking mad that that's Mike O'Neill Mike O'Neill's a dad there. Check him out. It, just, it was a nice little moment. It was a nice little moment. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. yeah. But um, I, I mean, I'm, it's um, Todd's, Todd's good. Like, you know, um, Catherine's really likes it up here, really took to it. Um, I still long for Manchester a little bit, but I do love running up here. I love running up here. Like it's it's great, like running elevation, um, running up and down climbs on trails, off road, all of that is great. Yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good spot for that man. You know, I really miss Todmorden, man. Like, um, I I I love it there. I, I really do love it there. Um, and I'm back in Ireland now, which is all right. It's all right here, but I'm I'm definitely like just like. Dwelling on Todmorden a bit. I miss the fucking hills. I miss I miss going because when I lived with Jamie, I could just get up six in the morning and go out the back door and be up on the top at the bride bridestone, you know, in twenty minutes, and just like have that elevation for the weather. And it was it's the healthiest fucking 
thing yeah. and it's so good for the head and for the body yeah. uh, and i'm missing that because i'm in the swamp at the minute you know I, 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 this year ireland with the rain and everything that's going on it's like we're living in the fucking everglades or something here it's just it's just a swamp yeah yeah and, and i'm yeah. working i'm working my first proper full-time job in like whatever 20 20 years like nine to five dpd and it's just like what are you doing man just just working for dpd man i I'm, i i don't know i'm i've I found myself in this thing where i'm like i need to make some money and i need to remember so a part of me saying i need to remember what it's like to be a normal person if that might sound ridiculous and a stupid thing to say but you know i've had my head in the clouds uh for so long and it's not been bad i've, I've been fairly grounded I, i've managed to make my way but I, there's a part of me that's saying, man, just like buckle down and see what it's like to be back in the in the fold of like just being a normal head, nine to five fucking sandwiches in a lunchbox. Do you know what I mean? And I tell you what, I won't last long. I won't fucking last long. Even if you even if it's, you it's, don't, yeah. there's, there's something in it, Pat. There's something to be had about yeah. sort of that that experience about it, it sort of it allows you to sort of experience what that maybe the main the sort of like main collective experiences it can give you a bit of perspective on that and it you can learn a little bit of something from it obviously we know it's fucking nonsense don't we we know that like that type of sort of it's like it's it's not good for the soul long term and you really have to work hard to combat that if you like you don't want to be getting stressed about anything do you you know a job stressing you I mean, can no, you imagine no. that? Yeah, uh, that, well, that definitely doesn't happen. You can't let it. You can't yeah, it's not it. stressing me. It's like it's. Oh, no, you know what it is for me. The thing that's stressing me is I wouldn't even stress is a strong a strong word, but let's say stress. <laughs> What's stressing me is my own mind, in the fact that I'll be working for DPD and the sun will be shining and I'll be thinking about my trees on my land, and I'll be like here, you know. Uh, I'd be like freaking myself out about how I'm wasting my time or whatever and it's actually good work for my mind it's really good work for my mind because yeah. it's it's um it's just like battling with that inner dialogue of just like things are never enough things yeah. are never enough instead of just like well what I am trying to do is just like chill and roll with it because it's not forever it's just for a few months and like I have a plan with it so it's like yeah, it's interesting. I bet there'd be people who people work jobs just for, you know that's what they do. They've got families to feed and they have to do the work. That's how it is, you know. Is. I don't know. I'm. I mean, I, I, I struggle with that. I struggle with that. Yeah, I mean, I I just think like it's like you 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 kind of got to do what you got to do in in a, to a certain degree, but like. Deep down, I've always had in, in me sort of head. I wasn't put here for this. I wasn't put here for this. I've never had. I've never found what I wanted to do. The workplace doesn't necessarily hold a position for me that I think oh, that's what I want to do. So I've always been in and out of stuff and just like changing and doing different stuff. But equally, there's a, there's an aspect of that can, that can be quite grounding as well. Um, but equally, I've always thought. I'm not put here for this. That's not what I'm put here for. Um, so as long as yeah. you're offset it with 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 kind of what you really want to be doing. Yeah, yeah. 
that, that's it. I mean, for me, I know with stuff like this, I'll go through it for a bit and it will just reignite the fire. It will just, just yeah. like push me back in, you know. And it's all really because at the moment, Nod is having a year off from touring. So like, I'm like, okay, I'll do a bit of self-study, a bit of learning to like say, save a bit of bread um, and just see what it's like to to not be constantly just planning for the next wife if she ever arrives, if she ever decides to come over here. You know what I mean? That's another thing I have to do too. So you've not met my wife have you you're not met her i've not man i know you got married um yeah. congrats again yeah uh, <laughs> um, yeah so she she in portugal man she's in portugal now at the minute but she's coming over next week um, oh, right, man. yeah she's coming and we're, we're putting our heads together and our heads down to make a bit of bread just okay. so so we can go back to portugal and and, and live pretty you know what i mean live off what we make in ireland really i think is what we're trying to do Cool. Sounds like a plan, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a plan. Yeah, happening, man. There's music happening. But um, anyway, enough. I'm not going to start chatting about me here because, um, you know, I feel like we've almost like covered everything. But I also feel like we 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 talked a lot about like what you did musically and a little bit about manchester but we could have gone on for hours and hours tell you one thing There's so many stories go on, yeah, one what? thing we didn't mention though go on. so you did another thing with nod on infinity machines you did the track desire oh yes. you wrote the lyrics for desire yeah yeah yes. yeah, yeah yeah oh you wrote the lyrics didn't you, you did. yeah i wrote the lyrics yeah, yeah. you did the vocals pad you did the vocals yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, that was mint. That's another like, that's a proper one-off for me to to do somebody else's lyrics and to, to deliver them the way I do and to try and get your voice out of my head when I was doing it. <laughs> but I, I don't, I don't think I fully managed to. I think I still, I, there's there's quite a bit of you in there in my delivery and the way I did it. I couldn't shake it off. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't. Yeah. Um, but it's it's mint. It was yeah. it was really fucking mint. Yeah, and I love that record. I remember you played at me around Christmas time. I don't know what year it was. It might have been a Christmas Eve. You played me like a mix of it, and I was thinking, "All oh, right, this is like this is this is different. This is like this is like really like a departure." And it's like, yeah, I love that one. I love that record. My record. I think it's great. Yes. <laughs> yeah yeah oh it's it's one of those it's one of those ones so i mean yeah we've done a lot man we've done a lot and we had a fucking few good times as well man we had a few few gas nights but i have this one memory of uh being at it's a random memory but it's a big one for me because it was the time that i decided oh man i really need to like sort of slow down and get fit right and when I decided that I needed to get fit was it was a big time for me because it was when I started to think about maybe not like getting leather as much and just like a change in lifestyle and it was randomly yeah. in the middle of a party at crack gallery and we were all partying it was one of those mad crack parties <laughs> and me me and you were set there was a bunch of us set but me and you were chatting and I was trying to touch my feet 
and I was saying, oh man, I can't even touch my toes. And I, and I was like, can you, and you, and you were just like touching your toes. And I was like, fuck's sake. And I was like, I can't even touch my toes, man. I'm so, my body was so fucked. And, I, and it was that, even though I was so leathered that night, I remember that was the night I was like, right, I'm going to, I'm going to, my mission now is to be able to touch my toes and I'm, I'm going to, I made it my mission and things just carried on from there. Yeah. Amazing. That, that's <laughs> a ridiculous bit, I, memory, isn't it? But I, re- I remember it. I remember me touching my toes and you yeah. trying to touch yours. <laughs> I remember it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah. You were going, I can't even do it, man. We, we were both like heavily we were white. And, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 But um, yeah, but that was the seed that got planted. <laughs> well, I mean, what do you reckon, boys? Do you think we fucking we covered enough? Have we? Yeah, yeah, I reckon. I reckon what do you think, Chris? Enough. Yeah, I reckon we've got enough. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice, nice chat. Yeah, time fucking chat, fly- time flies, doesn't it? Time absolutely yeah. flies. Yeah. Um, cool. I would say say um nice one mike thanks for fucking chatting to us man yeah cheers man yeah great. You're a legend you're a legend it's uh, great you know what i mean and your legend will live on um we should we should do something we should collaborate the three of us at some point okay sure yeah we yeah do well i've I'll got do- some i've got some stuff i need to go through from well i tell you what go on what yeah yeah i was just about to say what you were going to say basically yeah. I so we've got some we've, we, we recorded some new nod stuff and we've already kind of got an album out of what we've got but there's another album in there so i'm gonna mix it so if you're up for it i'll send you some stuff and if you're feeling it yeah well, if, if vocals. You, i don't know if you can see but we've finally got the spare room in in our house yeah with nice. all my music got me, like, everything set up so i'm finally in a position because it's been a world yeah. in the past like you know I can imagine, mate. Yeah, I can imagine, but I'm like yeah. good, good to go, and like you know. Yeah. So, like, uh, I was going to say, like you were saying, oh, send me some podcasts, but don't send me any music. But you've got your two guitars hanging in the back there, so there's still, yeah, there's still yeah. some stuff cooking, yeah. isn't there? So yeah. that's. So good, I, I like I like playing pad. I'm just not one for listening to this stuff anymore. Yeah, just, yeah. just not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. You know what I mean? I'm not. Um, I end up listening to like stuff that I listened to as a kid. And that's yeah. me. And that's yeah. and I guess that's uh, yes, that's me. I'm not not yeah. mad for um yeah. but but the like I'm I'm twitchy for creation. I've been going on about it for the past like 12 months, like I've gotta do something, gotta do something. Like just that voice in your head that's like I feel like I need to just like do something other than running. So because I've I've just been doing so much distance running that I'm at a point where I'm like I need to offset it. I need to offset it, and um, I'm feeling like I need to express certain certain things and shifts in perspective in another way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool. I mean, Chris has got that nod stuff there, and I've got a fucking whole bunch of stuff, man. That, um, that I've been going through all my SD cards, and you know, obviously, it's just hours upon hours of stuff I recorded over the years. Some of it I really like. And I was thinking it could be used either like with Chris on, on Nod or in D and I, some of it is crying out for a, a, a vocal or anything, anything you want to do. So just yeah. send it your way. Yeah. A lot of it, a lot of it's fairly rough and ready, but that's all right. And it? it's all part of it as well. You know, so. Yeah. 
like my calendar now i haven't got hours to be refining anything i'm just like roll with it rough and ready smash it at this point because like i was saying before it makes you time precious like having cool so i'm, right. so I'm like just do it yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it works for me that that's how i like to work anyway so we'd be yeah. that'll be great yeah nice one man nice i had one. in fact i had do you know what i wrote a piece of prose um and I immediately thought of Nod or thought of you two. And okay. it, it was it's called um Stay Liquid in the Madness. Okay. And it, I, I wrote it and it just came a bit of a stream of consciousness. But I remember writing it and thinking that'd suit something that they would do. That wouldn't necessarily suit something I would tend to do musically. But okay. yeah, right. stay liquid in the madness. Nice. Keep it in mind then for this scared. <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to send you away. I mean, sweet. All right. Oh, buzzing. Well, there we go. It's a date then. It's a musical date. Um, cool. Mike, Mike, so good to see you, yeah. brother. Yeah, good Love to you see to you, pieces, man. man. Love you to pieces. You're a fucking yeah. geezer. And the next time next time I see you, next time I'm over at your, in Todway, I'll hopefully be able to pop around and say hello Absolutely. to you and the little one. Yeah. Absolutely. Come around, me, Aoife. Yeah, great. She'll, she can scowl great. at you like she does at me. <laughs> <laughs> great. All right. I look forward to that. Nice one. I'll be in touch soon, mate. Yeah. Cool. Yeah.